0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehia Houhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight... The COVID-19 pandemic has declined significantly this year. The
1: global monkeypox outbreak is waning. And there have been no cases of Ebola in
0: Uganda for more than three weeks. That's WHO Director-General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus on hopes that some major global health threats will wind down in 2023. Details coming up. Also, Ethiopian officials are in Tigray's capital to help oversee implementation of a peace deal. Zambian rights activists are hailing the decision to scrap the death penalty. And Islamic extremists killed 17 herders and stole their cattle in the northeastern Nigerian state. We'll have these stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story. The Tunisian United Network and the Democracy for the Arab World now have urged the U.S. to end support to Tunisia's government under President Kais Saeed. They cited laws including the Foreign Assistance Act, which bans aid for governments that have undergone a coup. Monique Daoudi, president of the Washington-based Tunisian United Network, explained to VOA senior analyst Mohamed El-Shenawi what prompted his organization to make that request. In fact, the reason for that is
2: the current developments in Tunisia call for a much-needed and closer examination of the policies that were taken by the U.S. administration. We think that the Biden administration, in the most part, has expressed that it is not happy with the direction that Kais Saeed was taking the country towards, but they failed in designing and, and pursuing a strategy that would reverse this trend. And so we think that by the Biden administration refusing to admit that what took place in Tunisia was in fact a coup. Maybe it's not a traditional to kind of identify as a coup because it was not the military that took over the power and took over running the country. But in fact, President Saied used the military and relied on the military to close the parliament. We know that for a fact that they used a military tank to close the parliament. They used military vehicles to close down the the building of the government after kaisai dismissed it. So we think, even though it is not, the military leadership is not in the front, but we think that because Khayyad used the military and acted outside the constitution, the U.S. government should have designated this as a coup and therefore triggers the law that you just cited and we cited in our statement that uh, mandates that a certain policy be taken toward Tunisia, which is limiting or cutting total de- Dealings with the current government because it, in fact, was engaged in a coup. And so that's why we're actually trying to remind the Biden administration that this is the policy and it's not too late to
0: actually adopt it now. Your statement said, in light of the near 90% boycott of the December 17th legislative elections by Tunisian citizens, the U.S. government should urge for a truly inclusive national dialogue bringing together all parties and civil society organizations and regular Tunisian citizens to resolve the current political and economic crisis and reestablish democratic governance in the country. Would the U.S. administration get involved after too many failed attempts to convince President Kais Said to restore democracy in Tunisia?
2: Right. I think the U.S. did fail to convince Qais Haid. And we remember the last attempt was uh, here about a week ago when Qais Haid visited the U.S. Uh, to attend the U.S. African Leaders Summit. And he we met with the um, Secretary of State. And uh, they try to convince him at least one uh, last attempt to um, convince Kais Saïd so he can reverse course and go back to democratic governance. And it's very clear that he uh, still insisted that what he did was right and that he's going to continue on this path. Therefore, we saw some reactions that could be related directly to this refusal by the U.S. announcing that it cut its aid to Tunisia by 50% across the board, that the U.S. maybe used its influence within the IMF. So the IMF postponed the decision that was supposed to be taken this December to grant Tunisia a $1.9 billion loan. This was pushed back probably to January. And actually, we don't even think that that's even going to take place. So we think that the U.S. should get involved in terms of pressuring, not necessarily Qaysaib, but actually the other institutions within the Tunisian state maybe pressuring the Tunisian military to take a step back and stay out of politics and give a chance for the political leadership within the opposition that is tremendously has grown since the last election that saw a dismal participation from the Tunisian people. And so this opened the door for the dialogue that we have called for. And frankly, all the political parties and civil society in Tunisia, all the observers from outside, the commentators, all of them are calling for this dialogue to take place and therefore the U.S. should use and the international community should use all the leverage at its disposal to facilitate and help the Tunisian parties and civil society to come together once again to resolve their issues where everybody has the chance to to participate and hopefully this will lead eventually to new parliamentary elections and new presidential elections and hopefully hit the, the reset button on the democratic transition in Tunisia.
0: That was Mongi Dahu President of the Washington-based Tunisian United Network, speaking with VOA's Mohamed El-Shinawi. Islamic extremists killed 17 herders and stole their cattle in the northeastern Nigerian state of Borno, According to the French news agency AFP, militiamen say Boko Haram rebels attacked herders in a pasture near Ayramni village in Mafaa district. The witnesses say the herders resisted but were outgunned by the attackers. The rebels reportedly came from the nearby Gajigana forest, where they relocated after being driven from their base in the Sambisa forest by a splinter group of Boko Haram, the Islamic State West Africa Province or ISWAP. The AFP notes that Boko Haram and ISWAP target civilians, particularly loggers and farmers, for siding with the government but the extremists usually allow herders who pay taxes to them to graze their cattle peacefully. Extremists have killed over 40,000 people and displaced 2 million since fighting broke out in 2009. It has spread into neighboring countries and led to the creation of a regional security force. Cameroon is marking Boxing Day the day after Christmas when gifts are traditionally given to the poor with a nationwide gift drive for internally displaced children. Cameroon's government, churches, and aid groups are working together to give food, books, and school fees to tens of thousands of children displaced by the country's separatist conflict. Moki Edwin Kinzeka reports from Yaounde Cameroon. More than 300 children displaced by Cameroon's separatist
3: conflict gathered Monday at the Banjun Community Hall in the capital, Yawundi to receive Boxing Day gifts. The day after Christmas is traditionally when people in Britain and Commonwealth countries like Cameroon give gifts to the poor. While many churches and aid groups on Boxing Day support IDP children with gifts, Including one time by First Lady Chantal Bia, this year's was the first to be coordinated nationwide. 17-year-old Albert Ndip says the $50 he received from the city council will help him register to sit the 2023 general education exam.
4: I'm very happy for the food, school fees and dresses I've given to us, but I pray that the government should stop the fighting, the killing, and school should start back in my village so I can go back there
3: and school. Nzip in 2018 fled the English-speaking southwestern town of Menji after rebels torched their home and wounded his parents. He has since lived in a Roman Catholic orphanage in Yaoundé, while his father, mother, and sister are still in Menji. Authorities say the Boxing Day gift drive aims to ease suffering for tens of thousands of children displaced by the separatist conflict, which broke out in 2017. Fai Kasyanti is coordinator of the Cameroon Youth Development Organization, YODO.
5: Children that have been displaced are living in a very deplorable situation. We thought it necessary that we could seek assistance and donation from some of our elites. And then we get to these children so that some that didn't have anything to eat at all can have something to eat. When they were coming, you would see on their faces that they are not comfortable. But when they were leaving, we saw smiles on their faces.
3: Cameroon's military says the separatists have attacked more than 200 government schools between 2017 and 2019, forcing nearly all in the northwest and southwest regions to close. The UN says more than 700,000 children have been impacted by the school closure, while many remaining in the regions are threatened with violence, kidnapping, early marriage, or being recruited into armed groups. For the children that flee, Cameroon authorities say most are not able to afford education and struggle to fit in. Wilfred Wambeng Dong is the highest government official in charge of basic education in Cameroon's northwest region. He spoke via messaging application from Bamenda, capital of the northwest region. The children in the northwest region had gone through very disturbing times due to insecurity. And once this place you bear with me, you already have some psychological instability. Some of the children found themselves in new environments and in new schools, and they had to grapple with the new environment and performance. That was much more trouble for the children. Cameroon separatists launched their rebellion in 2017, seeking to break off the northwest and southwest regions where English is the majority language from the rest of Cameroon, where most speak French. The UN says more than 3,500 people have since been killed in the conflict and 750,000 displaced. Moki, Edwin Kinzaka, for VON News, Yaoundé, Cameroon.
0: An aid group says at least a dozen people have been killed in clashes in the recent few days in Sudan's South Darfur province. The General Coordination for Refugees and Displaced in Darfur says at least 42 people were wounded in the fighting between herdsmen and farmers. The Associated Press says the conflict began last week when herdsmen tried to loot a motorized rickshaw in the village of the Amuri in the Balil area, killing one person. Fighting escalated between the local population and the herdsmen. The aid group says many villages in the area were burned down or looted, displacing hundreds of families. Authorities have declared a state of emergency and imposed a nighttime curfew in Belil to help stop the clashes. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. For the first time in nearly two years, Ethiopian officials have arrived in Tigray's capital, Makale, to join in overseeing implementation of a November peace deal. Mohamed Yasuf reports from VOA's African News Centre in Nairobi, Kenya.
4: The Speaker of Ethiopia's Parliament, Secha Fodulo, arrived in Tigray's capital, Mekele, on Monday as leader of the first federal delegation to the region since war broke out in November 2020. The delegation, which state media says includes members of Ethiopia's National Dialogue Commission, in Tigray, to work on implementing an African Union brokered peace deal to end the deadly two year conflict. The November deal signed in South Africa saw so Ethiopia and the Tigray People's Liberation Front agree to cease fighting and for foreign fighters to leave, for the TPLF to disarm, and for blocked aid and services to be restored. The visit will be seen as a sign that the peace deal is holding despite TPLF allegations and reports of continued killings, looting and rape by Amhara region militias and Eritrean forces. Eritrea and the regional militias were not party to the peace still. Eritrea and Ethiopia have denied Asmara's involvement in Tigray, though last year Eritrea acknowledged its troops' presence and said they will be withdrawn. Mediators from Kenya and the African Union are also expected to visit Mekele this week after Ethiopia and the TPLF agreed Thursday to a joint monitoring team. Ethiopia has gradually lifted a blockade on desperately needed food and medical aid to Tigray and restored some telecommunications. The two-year conflict is estimated to have killed hundreds of thousands of people and displaced millions. But information is hard to verify in Tigray and Ethiopia has also blocked journalists from entering the region. Mohamed Yusu for VAE News, Nairobi.
0: Zambian rights activists are hailing the decision to scrap two colonial-era laws, the death penalty and punishment for criticising the country's leader. During his election campaign, President Hakianne Hechelema had promised to eradicate both laws. According to the French news agency AFP, human rights activist Brebener Changala said the decision was a huge milestone in the removal of colonial laws that do not fit in the democratic dispensation of the country. The executive director of the Center for Policy Dialogue, Caroline Katotui, said Zambians would now be able to speak freely without fear of prosecution. Zambia also becomes the 25th country in sub-Saharan Africa to abolish the death penalty. One of the goals of the US Africa Leaders Summit was boosting trade and investment between African nations and the United States. VOA's Mariama Diallo spoke with Benedict Oroma, the president and chair of the African Export Import Bank, about the $500 million deal his bank signed with the US Exim Bank during the recent summit.
5: Uh, it is a manual of understanding for collaboration to support. Trade and investment between Africa and the US uh, with special focus on diaspora engagement. Um, we have an envelope of $500 million attached to that uh, memorandum of understanding. So,
4: what is that? Is that a loan? Is that a, a, a grant? What, what, what is it?
5: Well, it will be largely a loan, uh, and we use it to support a variety of initiatives that will emerge from this summit. Uh, We will use it to support uh, diaspora engagement. Uh, The work uh, we, African Bank, is doing uh, to promote diaspora, the creative industry, and also the work the U.S. Exim and the U.S. government, in fact, is doing uh, to um, engage the African diaspora in the U.S. We uh, also will use this funding to support the critical sectors that Africa needs healthcare sector uh, the um, climate adaptation projects um, aspects of uh, transportation infrastructure uh, and uh, power uh, as need be so this is going to be something very very um, uh, impactful because don't forget that US housing is the Exim Bank for the US pro- helping to promote US trade exports around the world? Afreximbank Bank is Africa's Exim Bank, also hoping to promote trade and, and African trade and Africa's exports around the world. So, what what the partnership we have will help us do is, is to support Afrizim Bank to uh, finance in a very efficient way heavy equipment uh, uh, capital goods that we need to use to create new exports out of Africa that we need to use to build out uh, the health infrastructure for health resilience on our continent that's what it will help us uh, do and of course the diaspora engagement supporting the creative industry uh, which is the main focus of uh, Bank activities and we expect that we can leverage it for five times um, and th- that will tell you what it can do uh, and as we also operate and show businesses that things are possible, there will be other engagements other investments that will happen outside the framework of this arrangement and that's why this is a game changer in the reset button that Africa and the US have, have decided to press uh, this week.
4: Well, this comes, this is my last question, comes uh, you know, with, um, we know it with the Africa uh, Free uh, Continental Trade Agreement. Uh, You talk about trade earlier and how important it is to encourage and and, and nourish uh, 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 um, all the uh, leverage it, basically. So would it have any impact on that? Would some of this money be used to help that?
5: Yeah, yes, you know, we are the, we are the Africa's bank, Africa's trade Development Bank that supports the AFCFTA. Of course, our uh, cardinal principle anything that anything we do, the first test is what impact will it have on the AFCFTA. AFC.
4: I would like, that's why I thought so it's
5: if great. It does, if it won't have any positive impact, we will not get into it uh, because it will mean we're working against ourselves. I just mentioned to you we are trying to build regional supply chains. Regional supply chains will require capital goods to help support our industrial base. Regional supply chains will require that we support our creative industry uh, because that is what is helping us to propagate understanding of our cultures all across our continent. Regional supply chains will require that we have rail links, we have road links, and this is going to deal with it. We need investors to come to Africa, but investors will not come if they look around and they say, Well, if I fall ill, where will I go? I can only be taken abroad. Many will not come, uh, and that is why we want to use this to support the projects we are doing.
0: That was Benedict Orama, the president and chair of the African Export Import Bank. He spoke with VOA's Mariama Diallo. In a review of Global Health in 2022, the head of the World Health Organization expressed optimism that many of this year's health emergencies would come to an end during the new year. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva.
6: WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus gave a grim assessment of the many health challenges and threats people around the world have faced this year. Topping the list was the COVID-19 pandemic, which has sickened and killed millions of people for a third year. He noted a global outbreak of monkeypox, now known as mpox an Ebola outbreak in Uganda, and cholera outbreaks in multiple countries as other health crises. He said these emergencies were compounded by wars in Ethiopia and Ukraine, as well as climate disasters, including drought and flooding in the Greater Horn of Africa and the Sahel, and flooding in Pakistan. And yet, as 2022 draws to a close, he said there were many reasons for hope.
1: The COVID-19 pandemic has declined significantly this year. The global monkeypox outbreak is waning, and there have been no cases of Ebola in Uganda for more than three weeks. We are hopeful that each of these emergencies will be declared over at different points next year.
6: While well, the pandemic is not over, Tedro said, great progress has been made in containing its spread. He noted one year ago, COVID-19 was killing 50,000 people a week. This now has dropped to fewer than 10,000 deaths a week. Despite this significant decline, he cautioned, the virus is here to stay, and people have to learn how to manage the disease. He urged vigilance, masking, social distancing, and above all else, vaccinating. Looking ahead to next year, he said WHO's focus will be on health promotion and disease prevention.
1: Instead of focusing uh, on sick care like we do, we focus on health care meaning keeping people healthy. And we will do everything to make that happen. But for that to happen, we will also focus on pushing for universal health coverage, especially with a shift to primary health care as a foundation.
6: The WHO chief cited emergency preparedness and response as another priority. With new virus strains emerging, he emphasized the importance of doing everything possible to prepare the world for future pandemics. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva.
0: And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehelyus Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest development on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbili Baro and our engineer, Cornelius Tanner, thanks for choosing The Voice of America.